Hej och hå, jag bara smyg in här i Frasia och önskar välkommen till en extra utgave ta Oapodden backstage för det har sig nämligen lik att jag fick i kontakt med Gulli Brim. Han är er trommeslager i Mesoforte till daglig. Men om inte så länge så kommer en till Jövik med ett norsk All Star Funk lag. Och då passar jag på och möten på internet för en prat om konserten, eh, lite minst om Mesoforte och sen var och spela med Madonna. Och og sen var det och spela in det fantastiske Playing for Time albumet i 1980. Gulli han har husken i orden så att det blir en väldigt väldigt fin prat. Så eh, bli med när vi kobler oss upp på internet mot Island och möter Mesoforte trommeslagaren. So great to have you online, uh, Mr. Bream, uh, and yeah. welcome to Jövik uh, with your uh, all-star funk band. And tell us a little bit about uh, what the people uh, will expect when you uh, guys uh, are uh, giving us some music. Well, um, first of all, I'm very happy that uh, we were able to put up the show in Gjøvik and um, I am very excited to you know bring my boys Norwegian boys back together um, you know that the idea is just to really open up the the magical box of music you know and um, and to ex- expand the whole concept of playing shows and to involve more people, invite more guests, and to really uh, put together great ensembles of musicians. And so I I looked around a little bit in the Norwegian music scene and I, I know you know quite a quite a bit about it and I, I know whole bunch of people and because uh, I've been there so much uh, so at the end of it I I decided on on these guys that are going to be playing uh, with me uh, Per Matissen on bass, Hans Matissen on guitar and Knut Loxen on keyboards and uh, so when I was putting this together I I, I checked them out kind of thing and I, I talked to them on the phone and I just to just to see what's going on in their heads, you know. Okay. And I mean I know I knew Per Matisen is one of the best bass players in Europe and uh, he actually recommended his brother. <laughs> so okay. so I said I said to Per, you know, I said to Per, so what's your relationship like? With your brother, you know, <laughs> I'm and you're constantly arguing over that. And but he said, like, no, it's cool, it's uh, it's cool, and he would be perfect for this. And um, so, um, so we already did five shows last year, and um, it was great, it, it was really, really uh, rewarding, like musically. So, yeah, basically, I'm looking to just uh put together a great bunch of musicians and play some music that i that we all love to play that we all enjoy playing you know mm. there's some metaphorical music there's some uh, some pieces of music from my solo career and then there's some songs from uh the legends from the 70s and uh, and uh you know whatever it, whatever i found to be musically uh both satisfying and challenging mm. and uh, really allow everybody to tell a bit of their story and to shine and to play solos and and grooves and um, 
and whatnot. So basically, I'm, I'm trying to open up to different possibilities in music. Hmm. Uh, of course, uh, people know you from uh, Metzafortre for um, mm. over over forty years and uh, and, yeah. and, and and counting. Uh, is this project more of your uh, playground where you can just uh, loosen up and uh, have more have more fun to say it in, in a bad way? Uh, yeah, um, I I just wanted to meet the different people meet other people and, and play with other musicians and uh, and uh, I mean Mezzoforte is a very set it's a very strict platform hmm. to be on and there's not a lot of room to kind of open up the different possibilities you know um, so I'm always looking for new adventure, you know, in music. And I'm looking to see where music will take me, you know. And I, I think it's good to keep an open mind, but not to be completely stupid. You know, you have to <laughs> you have to kind of uh do the research to uh see where it is that you want to go in music and in life and 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 if you have the right people around you you know magic happens you know so i that that's my whole plan is to to gather together put together a great bunch of guys and uh, and every situation is different you know and mm. i i've had a great time really Mm. The shows we've done, we've had such a such a fun time, and uh, and uh, you know I have no problem playing with these uh, Norwegian friends because they are just fabulous musicians and uh, and um, very experienced and, and heavy. They're heavyweights, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, in music, and uh, it's just been uh, so so fun and. Even in Kjøvik, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, how, what can we, how can we push this? You know, how can we uh, surprise ourselves and, and the audience in Kjøvik? So I'm, I'm working on that now to uh, see if we can just tweak a few knobs, you know, uh, to uh, create some magical, uh, a magical night, you know. But I can guarantee that everyone is going to have a, a great time. I guarantee it. Yeah, uh, I'm sure uh, sure about that. Uh, th th that's uh, that's uh, nothing strange that uh, musicians uh, have solo projects uh, without their uh, without uh, outside uh, the, their main band. But maybe not mm. so often that the the the, the drummer have a, a side project. Uh, was it a, a big step for you to? Uh, to uh, work on uh, side projects uh, outside Metaforty? Uh Yes, it was. It was. Um, uh, it was, and it's kind of like a big decision when you <laughs> decide to get out of your comfort zone. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I've actually made three solo albums in my career, and I've done a lot of kind of... Um, writing pieces for percussion ensembles and uh, I've conducted uh, strings on my albums and uh, I, you know, because the music that I've written in the past, I mean, I haven't written a lot of music, but I've written some music and it it's, it doesn't really fit into Metzoforte uh, as a, you know, it, it's just, quite a bit different so i've had to find a way to channel that into different places and uh, different um, venues and uh, with different people mm. um so 
to answer your question, uh, it, it's not easy because you if you need to kind of keep your head together and be very disciplined, very focused, and and uh, make sure that you know what what music you want to play. And because it's such a personal thing, mm. you know, uh, putting yourself out there and saying like, okay, here I am, you know, this is this is what's going on. This is this is my personal preference in music. But with all my experience, and and to be honest, I I decided to allow myself to enjoy it, you know, and to not be shy about it you know even if we we make mistakes you know it doesn't matter um but my goal is always the same is to try to get deeper into my musical heart you know into my musical brain into my musical soul um so uh and i enjoy that because sometimes you know i i'm playing and you know we're looking at each other and we're not quite sure what's going to happen next you know but something is gonna it's gonna take a one left or right turn you just don't know and so probably my my best answer to you would be this and 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 i i would encourage other musicians to at least try to think on this way and it's to free yourself from everything free yourself from your from what people will say about you you know what people will think about you and as i say many times you know what other people think of me it's none of my business right <laughs> Uh, and musicians are so sensitive. We are such a sensitive creatures, and it's it's so hard for us to go out there and be exposed to to the audience. But I, I decided to just kind of put that all aside and say, like, okay, you know, uh, I'll I'll come as I am, and and I'll I'll play my heart out, and I will. I will free myself from my limitations, right? So there's no limitations. It's like, perhaps like technically, you know, even my, though my technique is pretty good, you know, technically there can be some limitations, but you can, have, you can allow yourself to be yourself, even if it's just one night, you know, or on a show. You don't have to be afraid. You just you just prepare for it. You, 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 and I prepare really well. So when I go on stage, I'm ready to really ready for the gig. You know. So I, I I don't allow myself the possibility that everything is going to go to hell. You know, <laughs> everything is going to go wrong. You know, it's like everything is going to be it's going to be magic. You know, I just don't know what kind of magic. Um, you know, so it, uh, it, it's really about that. It's about freeing yourself from all the, the limitations from from your friends, from your family, from the media, from other musicians. You know, and um, I mean, I've had people like, I mean, I've had unbelievable people at my shows. You know. And Peter Erskine watching my show and the Dennis Chambers, you know, in the audience and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, you know Marcus Miller and uh, you know and you think like, oh my God, you know my idols, <laughs> my idols are in the in the audience watching me and what are they thinking? You know? And um, you. Because you know, at the end of it, we're all in this together, mm. and I, I don't like to separate. So I would always think like the people on stage and the audience. We are all 
a family. We're all in this together. So, and, and in that way, I don't have to be separated as something more important than anyone else because I'm not. You know, I don't, I always say like, I'm not important, more important than the next guy, you know, even if I've uh, um, done quite a lot of things in music, um, I always see all of us as uh, like one big cosmic universal family. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us are on stage and some of us are in the audience. Some of us know how to play music. Some of us don't know, any, know anything about music. And um, so it's just one big quantum soup, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great uh, image. So. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, uh, this was the greatest gift that I could have given myself as a musician was to free myself from um, from my own limitations and to allow allow progress to happen allow magic to happen uh, but i i put a lot of i would say i would put i put a lot of um demands on myself you know i really want to give everything to into the show and um, it doesn't matter. I mean, we played in Germany last summer in front of 65,000 people okay. in, uh, in Nuremberg. And it was, it was great. And, 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 you know, I never felt any sort of, oh, my God, you know, saw these people out there. It's just like, I knew there were 65,000 people. You just go on, go on there and just, you know, let's do this. It's the same with uh, clubs, you know, if there are a couple of hundred people, you know, I, I'm always excited to <laughs> go out there and and, 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 um, and see what happens. Mm. So uh, we'll play some uh, cool metaphor tunes, we'll play some, some of my solo stuff and uh, we'll play some, yeah, some very cool tunes and and um, let's see. Yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, what you said about uh, getting out of the out of your comfort zone uh, was that something that you could do thirty years ago, or do you have to be a more older and more experienced musicians to dare that? It's a good. That's a very good question. Uh, no, I couldn't have done that thirty years ago. You know, I couldn't have done that. Um, I, I think it comes with age and you think about, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of, quite a few of my friends have already departed this world and some of them were not that old. They were relatively young. And so I thought like, okay, uh, we only have a limited time on this earth and you have to ask yourself what is it that i want to do with the rest of my life <laughs> you know and um you know i even took some you know I, I'm, I'm such a such a geek you know i i even took classical singing lessons in budapest you know? and my my singing my trainer my singing teacher he said, so what, what would you like to sing? And I said to him, I would like to sing Pavarotti. You know, Pavarotti's greatest tenor of all times. And, and I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to... So, and, 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 um, and, and I can actually sing. I would never say that I'm a great singer. But he showed me how to sing in a classical way and i had a few lessons with them and it was the greatest i had the greatest time in my life you know i was not going to go on to the to scala you know in italy or anything <laughs> i just like okay i want to sing i want to sing classical 
So I just do it, you know. And and even if it's if it's terrible, it doesn't matter, you know, because you just do it. And uh, you know, you want to jump out of an airplane, you know, uh, parachute, and you just terrified of it you're just scared to death but you do it anyway um and um swim with the dolphins you know whatever it is because we don't have all the time in the world we only have a certain amount of time uh so i'm definitely out of my comfort zone to answer your question and i'm definitely uh ready to take some chances and to um, practice more and to involve more people, you know, write more music. And But <laughs> I saw a funny video with uh, um, Muhammad Ali. And uh, so the, the, the British host who asked, asked, asked him, this is a long time ago, so what is your what is your key to success, Mr. Ali? And, and he said, staying away from the ladies, <laughs> staying away from the clubs. <laughs> and I'm in bed at nine o'clock at night. That's the key. And um, <laughs> so, I mean. Uh, at the same time, as you you get out of your comfort zone, you have to have some kind of discipline, you know. Um, you know, but life is short, and you know, if you ever had a dream about you know learning how to play the piano or the bass or or drums, you know, just do it. You know, find a teacher and then have a few lessons and just see where it takes you. You know. Mm. you know because you will never regret it you know you might say like uh yeah i tried the piano it was always my dream i tried the piano but it wasn't for me i didn't enjoy it so fine let's co continue with the golf you know uh golfing or something but you have to do what's in your heart yeah. otherwise you will always uh, regret it and so the reason why well, I'm putting this this band together, Norwegian band is uh, because I I thought it would be a great idea. Yeah, and um, so and it was. <laughs> yeah, we've had some we've had a beautiful time and some great shows mm. already. But uh, uh, how was your comfort zone? Uh, when you got the call from uh, Madonna? Um, <laughs> that was tough, man. That was a challenge, you know, because I was so not prepared for that. Um, so actually, I had some engagements here in Iceland, and the call came with hardly any notice. I got like three, four days to prepare uh, to get myself to London and... Uh, <laughs> Oh man, this is this is just there's some stories, uh, and I had to find some drums too. Okay. And um, I was trying to find the drum rentals in London, and it was the, it was a weekend. It was Saturday, Sunday, and the sessions were on Monday. Um, so I was calling all kinds of people to try to fix fix me up with drums at the studio and um, so finally we got that and so I, I've never actually told anyone this um, but um, I flew to London for the Madonna sessions and I didn't even have a hotel booked because I <laughs> I thought, I thought like, okay, um, I'll book some in, in Heathrow Airport. You know, they have this hotel booking uh, kiosk or whatever. So I thought like, okay, I'll do that. And um, 
So I went to this kiosk and, and, and the, the lady said to me, there are no hotels available in London. Just forget it. Because there's this uh, world um, hairdresser world championships going on and there's like tens of thousands of hairdressers from all all from the all over the world and and they're all gay like every almost every hairdresser is gay and um so it just happened so that uh as i'm flying i met a whole bunch of these uh uh gay men and women in hairdresser gay women men and women icelandic people on the plane and so um they found out that I had these problems with finding a room. So, so actually, I ended up sleeping on the floor of, of, of a couple of gay people there, like this one lady and this one guy. And, um, and that was the day before the Madonna sessions. Okay. So I slept on the floor in some hotel. Um, they smuggled me into the hotel room uh, past the night guard. <laughs> to, so I could have a place to sleep. Um, but uh, it was pretty intense the Madonna sessions. Yeah, pretty intense because. Um, Did you know was, what, what it what what it for what it was for? Because this was more for the Evita. Yeah, it was for the Evita movie. Yeah. Did you um, know that, or uh, did you think? Yeah, it was I, knew, I knew it. Yeah, yeah I mm. knew it. And um, so they gave me a cassette with uh, some demos, and, uh, and then everybody was there, like Antonio Banderas, uh, Alan Parker, the director of the movie, and Madonna and Jonathan Price, Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, and the guys from the Miami Sound Machine, they were they were in the band and me okay and uh talk about comfort zone i mean i'm in this drum booth um drumming isolation booth and uh and madonna is sitting on a bar stool right outside the booth you know and she's singing into a like a an sm58 handheld microphone and she's looking at me <laughs> <laughs> through the glass, you know, as we're playing. So um, it was um, it was intense and very political because there was a lot of prima donnas, a lot of prima donnas there. And um, what can I say? It was just. Uh, but what really surprised me with Madonna uh, during those sessions is she was so professional and she sang so well. She sang brilliantly, even just the, the guide vocals. Um, she was very, very professional, very sharp, very much on the, on the procedure of the recordings. She was like monitoring everybody, looking at everybody. And she said, like, she said once to me, what are you doing on that song? And she's like, what are you doing there? And kind of asking me about the drumming and that. What are you playing when you're doing this and that? And, and I explained that to her. Um, then we did the... Uh, some uh, TV, a TV show in London um, later in that year, which was which was great too. So uh, talk about pressure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the pressure was was big. Yeah, but 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 it seems like uh, the person who was uh, the least diva in the studio was the diva herself. Yeah. She was uh, very cool, um, very, uh, very smart, very smart dressed. Her hair was very smart, and uh, she was she was all in, you know. <clears throat> but 
but there was there was plenty of other divas, and probably the biggest diva was Alan Parker. Okay. <laughs> the director. Okay. He was the he was the heaviest diva of them all. <laughs> um, because it was his movie, you know. Yeah. Did you get any tricks for being a diva yourself or <laughs> no, but I mean you can't be a diva, but you have to not let people toss you around, you know. Mm. You have to stand your ground, you have to know your role. And but when you're working in a in, in a project like this, you are basically a hired hand, you know. You just do what the producer says and um do your best, you know. Mm. I mentioned um, I mentioned to you that uh, uh, my first uh, meeting with uh, Mesoforte was was with the Playing for Time album in uh, 1989, and uh, mm. I have to say that I was 16 years at that time, and that yeah. was you know uh, my introduction uh, to jazz. Uh, oh, okay. about that way. And and then I moved on uh, and uh, seek uh, other artists, but uh, uh, yeah. Mesa was uh, the first band I listened to, and uh, has always been with me since since then. Uh, yeah. uh, you have maybe heard that before that uh, young people that are discovering music and uh, mm -hmm. instrumental music uh, uh, bumps into you guys. Yeah, uh, we we hear uh, heard a lot of these kind of stories and uh, you know a woman came up to me in a supermarket and uh, here in Iceland and she said I don't know if you remember me I was your neighbor when you were a kid and I hadn't seen her since then and she said I just want to thank you you saved my honeymoon and I said what <laughs> what why how is that how did that happen and she said that they were in a, on a honeymoon somewhere i think maybe in the netherlands or somewhere in europe and she she's walking they're walking home uh, she and her husband uh, they're walking back from a night out from a restaurant or something and they were they they they, they were met by a, like some kind of a, bad boys, you know, or, or a gang, you know, um, and they were kind of, uh, harassing them and kind of wanting to rob them or something of the sort or beat them up or God knows what. And, and they were kind of saying like, Oh, we're just tourists. Please leave us alone. We're just tourists from Iceland and we just got married. And, and then the, the gang leader says, "Like you're from Iceland, I know people. I know this band from Iceland, Masterforte." And then she said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah the, I know the drummer. He was my neighbor when we were kids." And then the, the band, the, the the gang leader says, "You're free to go." Okay. So they they let them go wow. because of this uh, the connection with uh, Iceland and Masterforte. And I met another guy, um, a, a drummer, a drummer who hosted one of my drum clinics, and he said that he was playing and drumming along to the records back in the days. And I said to him, "What do you do now?" And uh, he said, "Yeah, I became a professional musician, and I have a music school." And I said, "Oh, great! How many students do you have?" Two hundred. 200 students and I said 200 students you started the music school with 200 students just because you were playing along to to the music to the message for the music he said yeah but the story doesn't end there because these 200 students they have like 5,000 friends they have families and mothers and grandfathers and, and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and and then they go out and teach uh, themselves. They become teachers. So the so the butterfly effect of can be uh, 
pretty crazy. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I realized that just because this guy was playing a wrong, playing a wrong along to our music, uh, is maybe influencing hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. You know. But, but uh, how did you start playing this kind of music? Because uh, in the mid late seventies, there was no uh, YouTube, no internet. <laughs> uh, where did you find your inspiration uh, sources and and your music that and, and became the drummer that you are with your your style? Well, when we got together with Mezzoforte, there was two pairs. It was just a quartet me and the bass player and the keyboard player and the guitar player um and we were just very interested in like more intelligent pop or uh clever music let's say like like evil player was into gentle giant um, we were into deep purple who were like very very good players and actually we we did a we played with deep purple years later which was pretty crazy but um, on the same festival um so we we were just inspired by the by listening to records you know we listen to the the rock stuff you know and then we got into jazz rock billy copham and mal Wisnu orchestra we got into weather report and we got into earthman and fire we got into george benson <clears throat> and we were all into this you know collectively so we we listen, used to get together and drink some moonshine <laughs> and, uh, and and listen to these records over and over and over and we we were learning all the licks you know from uh, chicoria's uh, records and uh, return to forever romantic warrior we were i was air drumming and everyone is singing uh, playing all the parts and then we we're learning all these parts just from in our heads and then we try to play some of this music and um, um and that's how it started we were uh, just very excited about this kind of music um and then much they developed into more like a Funk, groovy, and garden party is just all earth, wind, and fire. Mm, yeah, and as an example, it's a it's a from a record that's called "I Am." It's in a song is called "In the Stone," which is very, very. If you listen to that and you listen to Garden Party, you can hear the major influence. Um, so. Uh, it, it, it was just the love of music, the love of um, the adventure, and uh, and you have some friends who are like totally into the same thing as you, totally. We used to go out together, um, party. We used to go out to the clubs, and we were way, way too young. And we used to go through the back door, so we can get into the clubs who, who were serving like alcohol uh, we were 16 17 years old and um <laughs> so we we used to uh bring some uh like a, a, a guitar cable or something to go to the front door and say i'm, I'm bringing this cable to the band you know <laughs> just to get in <laughs> to the place and then of course we, we never left um, that's a smart move yeah so but you know to be honest uh, it was it was all about the friendship we were not just uh playing together we were also best friends and we got drunk together we went to the movies we were out out on the town and 
you know, just just um, try to make some sense of it, you know. Yeah. And then the rest is history, I guess. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, before I, uh, I I I let you go, I have to ask this final question. Uh, like I mentioned in the email that we were corresponding uh, about the um, playing for time album, and you mentioned that uh, it was a very hard album to 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 make. Do you have any mm -hmm. stories uh, from that uh, session? Uh, yeah, actually, there were some Norwegian guys involved in the album. The late uh, and the great Rolf Graf mm. uh, was a bass player of Lava and also Sven Dag Haugel. Yeah. And <laughs> we had met them in a bar in Germany. We were both Lava and uh, Randy Crawford and Metzoforte. We were doing the same TV show, a very famous TV show in Baden Baden in Germany. So we met Rolf and Swinta, we were drinking with them in this bar. And it ended up, they produced three songs on the Playing for Time album, but we didn't use one of them. We only used two of them. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, um, the hard thing about that album was that there was an incredible pressure on everybody. And it was the days of synthesizers and drum machines and electronic drums and MIDI. And uh, um, it's a very complicated way to, to make, make a record those days. And it took a whole year to make this record. So after, after we finished with uh, Svendag and, and Rolf, um, we got this American guy from Los Angeles, uh, was a friend of ours, a very, very, um, let's say, talented keyboard guy. So he produced most of the rest, and there was just, it was technically, technically very hard to do this album because it was such a big mix-up of sequenced um, parts and and live playing and it was very very arranged um, but then everyone loved how the album sounded and so the record company said like you know you guys should go to America and finish the album there uh, and then they put tons of money into it, and we all went to Los Angeles um, to work with the Sea Wind Horns, which was Quincy Jones's uh, horn section and Michael Jackson's. And so we got to work with our idols, you know. Um, and uh, mixed, it was. Um, overdubbed and mixed in LA. Mm. So we spent a few, few weeks there and we finished the album there. And I think uh, it's a great album because there's so many great musicians, so many incredible Grammy award winning guys. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, saxophone player, Ernie Watts. Mm. Uh, Ernie Watts played great. Uh, another guy, saxophone player who was in a band called uh, Dog Cheese <laughs> with Vinnie Liuta and a bunch of guys. Uh, he played on it. He played great. Uh, Steve Tabaglioni, his name is. And then was um, who else was on it? Uh, and obviously all the horn players and. Uh, and uh, they, they were good times, you know, and uh, the album sounds great. Mm. Do, 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 do you think it's have been uh, aged well? Do you think it uh, sounds fresh today or do you think it sounded dated? 
parts of it hmm. have, have aged well. You know, uh, there are songs on it that we really just played live in the studio. Uh, the songs that one song that has become kind of a classic like expressway that I wrote with uh, the guitar player. Hmm. Um, that has aged well, I think. Uh, there's some brief, there's, there's a few really good songs on that album, I think. And uh, but obviously, the, from the programming 80s uh, side of things, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is, it's a good record, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, some very good parts, very good melodies, the great roofs. You know. uh, but you can't make records like this anymore. You can't. Because it's going to cost you like hundred thousand dollars. Yes. No uh, one, no one is going to put that kind of money into <laughs> into a record. Not, not today. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. no. But, but, but uh, was it um, uh, but, but, but when you uh, several years later uh, released the uh, after hours after arc, after hours the daybreak? Sorry, the, the, the daybreak, daybreak, the daybreak yeah. album. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a. a completely different album because it's all more acoustic and more more basic what's that a, a thought that you're going to move more back to the basic and make a more acoustic uh, uh, sounding album um well i mean the daybreak album uh was made because we found an amazing recording studio in denmark which was one of the greatest studios in Europe. Um, and Elton John had been there, George Michael, Depeche Mode, you know, a bit. Uh, unbelievable studio. And we, we went to Asia for an Asian tour and we had like seven or eight songs that we wanted to record. And so we decided to not to go home after Asia, but to go to Denmark. So we were in the studio for about three weeks. And we just all set up in the room. Drums, guitar, keyboard, bass. Uh, and there was a Norwegian saxophone player uh, with us who, who became a dear friend, Kore Kolve. So he was kind of the fifth guy on this record. Uh, another connection to Norway, apart from all the ladies. No, kidding. Um, <laughs> oh my God, the Norwegian women you got me in so much trouble. Um, <laughs> I no, so, so, so we had a great, great band with the quintet with, with Kore, who fit really well into the group. So, so we were all set. We all set up in the same room. And everything sounded great. We recorded the, the, the songs and did the overdubs. And uh, but we had to put together two or three songs in the studio that were actually either um, a remake of something or uh, we. But I think the. Daybreak album is special because quite a lot of quite some very good tunes on it, mm. like Daybreak, the title track, uh, and it's um, it's live played and uh, uh, and I think that's maybe why people like it. It's it has a soul, you know. As playing for time was very kind of. Mm, quantized in a way or like maybe a little bit cold the daybreak album was was live and and um it sounds really good mm. i think there are, there are some good arrangements on it too so 
I think all of the albums have some good parts and some not. Yeah. <laughs> if um, if there is still some uh, someone who hasn't heard anything of Metro Fort, uh, uh, where should where should they start? Uh, do, do you think where's the go-to album to to, uh, to get to know you, uh, to, to get to know the band? That's a good question. Uh, I would say like the Observation album. Mm. Uh, it's got some good tunes, and this is from the London days. We were recording in London studios, uh, and we were kind of taking, learning how to be a band, learning how to be really professional, and. So the, the Observation album is a good start. Uh, the Daybreak album is is pretty cool, like for young musicians. So. And then um, the No Limit album. Mm. The no Limit album is another album that is very different with three vocal songs on it um but there there are a few very very good tunes like evolution icebreaker and joyride and you know so for some reason a lot of people love that album the no limit album and it did really well in norway it sold twenty-five thousand copies and i actually have a silver record from from Norway, thank you. Susan <laughs> Tak. You deserved it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's been a long, it's been a long, uh, long stretch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for for your time, uh, Guli, and uh, yeah, see, sure. you in, uh, see you in Jovik. Yeah. I mean, um, let me know. I can put you on the guest list and. If you want to grab a few friends, it's okay. Just let me know. Great, I'll, I'll be there. And um, yeah, I hope we can uh, make some noise and fill the place up. You know. Du har hört en podcast fra OA. Ansvarlig redaktør Erik Sønsli.